and we are back. College Gridiron, week two. I'm Jimmy Sullivan, joined by my co-hosts, plural, Nick DeLuca, Matt West. Guys, how are we doing today? Excellent. I'm great. I mean, I I, <laughs> I like the was, pause there. I like I, how you I am great, and it was it, it was an excellent weekend extended of college football. It was so good to be back watching, and good for a lot of these teams. It was a, a very exciting weekend. This is one of the benefits of the playoff, right? You're getting these better matchups. There aren't as many cupcake throwaway games to open the season. Teams more willing to play each other in high stakes games early. And this weekend, I would say, didn't disappoint. There were a bunch of really good games this weekend. There were some games that surprised us, too, that weren't necessarily that close. So, like, Houston-Oklahoma was a game that everybody kind of thought, oh, that's a blowout. And that game wound up being close at the end. Notre Dame-Louisville, everybody thought Notre Dame was going to go in there and stomp them. And Louisville played a good game. It's just Notre Dame pulled away at the end. We'll get into all that. Uh, Let's start, because you talked about some of the good matchups. Uh, it was kind of a predictable weekend in college football, right? There were 23 matchups of ranked teams versus unranked teams. The ranked teams won all 23, so there weren't any huge upsets necessarily. Uh, the best game of the weekend, you guys will probably agree with me on this, Auburn-Oregon on Saturday night was absolutely electric. Oregon's leading 21-6 in the third quarter. They lose 27-21. It's something that, frankly, Oregon does probably better than anybody is just get a big lead in a big game and blow it i mean it's the second time in as many years that they've done that but you know we were talking about this before the show i mean oregon gets that big lead they blow it but bo nix leads the comeback for auburn and certainly an impressive performance from them don't know how much you learned obviously because it's only week one but that game to me was the most enjoyable game of the weekend yeah it was kind of similar to the way we were talking about florida and miami last last week on the podcast right it's the opening week for these teams without a preseason, young players, and sometimes it's difficult to get going. Oregon really, for for lack of a better term, threw that game away, right? They missed a 20-yard field goal, which is just unacceptable. You can't do that. <laughs> a, a, a fumble going in on the red zone on a miscommunication on a read option, right? So a couple of mistakes that Auburn more or less took advantage of, but Oregon really just didn't put the game away because Auburn, right, even after that huge return on the fumble, only kicked a field goal, right? But it would have been Oregon up 21-3 to at that point in the first half uh, with the first half winding down. So it was just a lot of missed opportunities by Oregon and an overall sort of sloppy game that Auburn the beneficiary of because they were in it and credit to them because they made enough plays. But that's one that stings for Oregon and, and one where Gus Milzone sitting there in the film room on, on Sunday saying, I think we stole one. Yeah, I agree. I think there was a lot of rust you could see from both teams. But like I was impressed with the way Auburn hung in there, fought back. I thought, I mean, I expected more from Oregon and Justin Herbert. Especially with yeah, all the that hype, was disappointing. All the hype behind him, you know, this is supposed to be he's supposed to be a top ten draft pick, potentially number one uh, quarterback in the draft. But the legend of Bo Nix, I think Bo knows. Bo knows. <laughs> you know, he had a great game. He thirteen for thirty one. I mean, not a great game, but I mean, he did what he, he had, had a great to, finish. Yeah, great yeah. finish. Did what he had to do to get the victory. And like like you said, Nick, I think Auburn. You know, they they know they stole one from Oregon. So, but that was. Hands down, the best game of the weekend, I thought. I mean, this is becoming a problem for Oregon, right? Yeah. They had the game against Stanford last year in late September. I don't remember what the score was in that game. I want to say it was like 28-7. I think it was actually worse than this. And Stanford came in as a top-10 team, and they weren't that good last year. But 
they come in and Oregon's got them on the ropes in Eugene. Almost nobody wins in Eugene. And they blow that lead. They go on the road. They're up 21-6 against an SEC opponent. Everybody's making noise about the Pac-12, how they're inferior to every other conference. And this is Oregon's chance to prove it. And I don't know how much you guys are buying the Utah Kool-Aid, but I think Oregon's the best team in that conference this year. And they blow it. I mean, there's there's no other way to put it. Like, they didn't play enough well enough to win that game. That was one of those games, to be honest with you. I'm not sure if either team deserved to win, but Auburn shot themselves in the foot significantly less than Oregon did. Like, that's a terrible thing to say, but it's true. I mean, even with, like, the Bo Nix interceptions, Oregon couldn't capitalize on those. And when, you know, Oregon made mistakes, Auburn capitalized. And Auburn had one more chance, and they just got it done. But... What a disappointing loss, not only for Oregon for me, but also for the Pac-12 because yeah. that that was their chance, right? You've got a big game, national TV, game of the week. Your team's playing well, and then the bottom falls out in the fourth quarter, and it's not the first time it's happened. Yeah, that's that's what I thought. I just thought it was a huge loss for the Pac-12 yeah. in general. I mean, they're just having a down. They've been down for a couple of years. You know, you thought Oregon could you know, put them on the map with a victory against a SEC team. You know, number 16 in the country. But, I mean, it just looks like, I think, like you said, Utah maybe, but another another team I think that potentially could win the Pac-12 is uh, Washington also. Still? They, yeah. They had a good know. game. So, I mean, but yeah. like you said, the Pac-12 is down. Disappointing conference, I feel like, for, you know, it's a couple of years this has been going on. I do want to address something you said earlier, though, about Justin Herbert and saying that he was disappointing. And and in, in fairness, yes, it's disappointing because at the end of the day, he's the quarterback and it falls yeah, on no, him. He had, a, he had a pretty good game. But yeah. I, I think that 20, 28 to 37 in the midst of rushing for only 90 yards for Oregon, I think that's the biggest problem, right? When, when you only rush for 90 and the other team puts up 200 plus yards of rushing, 206 it was for Auburn, that, that's not a recipe for winning on both the offense and defensive fronts and it was 2.7 yards to carry and when you're trying to put a game away the way Auburn showed up against the run and Oregon's inability to run and, and milk the clock and continue to put the game away I think that's the biggest story about Oregon and Oregon's offense that maybe the team around Justin Herbert isn't good enough but I think Justin Herbert was good enough to win that game. It was about the rest of the supporting cast, in particular the offensive line in the running game. Yeah, I mean, I guess you can't ask for a ton more from Herbert. Maybe you just expect more because this is a guy who's going to be one of the top three quarterbacks in next year's draft along with Tua and Fromm. But, hey, I mean, what are you going to do? But moving on from performances that might have been good enough to performances that were definitely amazing – by God, guys, Lincoln Riley has done it again. Uh, Jalen Hurts was unbelievable on Sunday night. They had Houston in another primetime game, and Jalen Hurts was absolutely electric. I'll read you the numbers. I mean, this is just clinical. 20 of 23, 320, uh, 32 yards, rather, three touchdowns, and then he ran it 16 times for 176 and another three TDs. Now, granted, Houston has a bad defense, and... This should be taken with a little bit of a grain of salt. But after seeing Jalen Hurts in 2017, where Alabama was almost running a glorified Wildcat offense, to what he is now, I mean, is it safe to say that like Lincoln Riley, no matter who he gets, he's just got that kind of Midas touch where he's just going to take any quarterback he has and turn him to gold? I think he might, and and I understand that you do have to take it with a grain of salt because you're playing against a Houston team that isn't great. Again, first-year head coach, so that makes things more difficult. 
But I don't care who he was playing against because when you watched Jalen Hurts play at Alabama, certainly towards the tail end of his freshman year and even in spots his sophomore year, although he did impress in the SEC championship game a year ago, you didn't think the 20 of 23 for 332 was possible. <laughs> that was a foreign concept. Right. And, and and 16 carries for 176 on the ground, you could see. You, you could see him going off and, and using his legs effectively and being an effective runner. But the 20 of 23 for 332 yards passing, three touchdowns and no interceptions, a QBR of 98.7, that is really, really, really impressive. <laughs> and what it tells me is, young kids, if you're a quarterback in America and you want to go play at the next level, Go go to Oklahoma because that's where you, I don't know what he does fairy dust mechanics watching film <laughs> Lincoln Lincoln Riley does something and it's unbelievable the way he's been able to churn out some of these top quality quarterbacks now we'll see still a long way to go but if he were to make Jalen Hurts into an NFL draft pick who would have seen that coming even a year ago that that would be unbelievable just getting coach of the year now yeah but and I think and what I heard today is. Jalen Hurts moved into the first round, top 20 pick, projected. Oh, my goodness. Just off of that one game against Houston. But like you said, I was just wowed by, you know, the the stats he put up, 20 for 23, like you said, 332. It was the passing. We all knew he could run, and we all knew, you know, we saw what he could do at Alabama. I mean, he was very limited. Like, the running running was his, his best asset, but the passing amazed me. Granted, like you said, it was against Houston, but – I like to see how he does against, you know, tougher opponents also like Texas. You know, they got a tough – they got a t- it's the defense with Oklahoma. So, but I also – I definitely think Lincoln Riley is just a mastermind. I think he's got a blank check for any team in the NFL. <laughs> Obviously, everybody's hope not – some Dallas fans aren't, but, you know, he's got a – he's an offensive mastermind, offensive guru, and he definitely loves the, tra- the transfer rule because the, the wonders he's done with Baker – Murray and now Hurts. It's he's impressive. By the way, CBS in their mock draft that came out today, you were right. They've got him going nineteen to Jacksonville See, that already. Is, that is that incredible. Is, that's amazing. That, On that one is game. incredible. But it's the Big Twelve too. That's the thing, right? There aren't a lot of good defenses in the Big Twelve, no. if any. Yeah. So you might say, okay, yes, Houston has a bad defense. Pump the brakes. He had a couple wide open throws. Yeah. Big 12's kind of like that. I mean, the, the Oklahoma-West Virginia game last year was, what, 59-56? And, th- and that was the last game of the season. That was not, you know, a September game where the weather's still warm. That was in the snow. So if, if they play like that, you know, you, you think about, okay, well, how bad is the defense in this conference? Really, it's really bad. So he could put up a monster season. And, hey, I don't want to get too carried away here because <laughs> I watched Jalen Hurts at Alabama, and um, he did not look like, you know, a Heisman Trophy quarterback back then. He looked like a Heisman Trophy quarterback on Sunday night, and obviously you don't want to get too excited, but if that's what Oklahoma's got, have to think they're back to being the favorite in the Big 12 and maybe again for the playoff, and it's just unbelievable what Lincoln Riley's been able to do. Yeah, I think they are the favorite in the Big 12. The one thing that was disappointing, I will say, because you do have to pump the brakes on Oklahoma as well, was the defense. Yeah. And I thought they no played particularly good defense in the first half, and, and you watched the first half of that game and said, wow, this is a different Oklahoma defense. You only gave up 10 points in the first half. They look good. They're swarming to the ball. But the second half really wasn't very good, right? Three touchdowns in the second half, and it looks like the same old, same old Oklahoma defense against, again, a Houston Cougars team trying to figure out their way. First year, Dana Holgerson. So 
it's it was disappointing on that front. So I would probably pump the brakes a little bit on being that top level contender. And again, top level contender is is an interesting term these days because you're really not unless you're Alabama or Clemson. I mean, do we expect anybody else to even contend? I don't know. I, I really don't. So it, it was interesting for me to see the disparity in play from their defense first half to second half because that second half effort isn't going to ha- isn't going to get it done and and hopefully for Oklahoma they can figure it out because they haven't been able to the last couple of years and I don't think that Oklahoma it's a guarantee they're going to win the Big Twelve because Texas is you know like Sam Ellinger said last year they're back I think you know he wasn't the only one <laughs> yeah they got a they got a big test this weekend so that's going to determine a lot. But I think Texas, you know, could be in the way for Oklahoma. So it's going to be an interesting year. Yeah, I mean, I I said this last week about Texas. My concern with them is that they are this year's Miami, where everybody's trying to make them happen. Right. Everybody wants Texas to be good. And, And also, by the way, common thread, early game with LSU. But that's neither here nor there. But... I'll be interested to see how they fare in that game. We'll we'll talk about that a little later. But I think also an, another thing to consider with Oklahoma, they don't have to have a great defense in the Big 12. Yeah, They just need to outscore. They they almost need to outscore their defense, which is what they did last year. I mean, that, that was not a good defense. And other than the Texas game, it was just good enough to get them out of a lot of those games. And if Hurts plays at this level, eh, it might not matter. It might not matter. I don't know. I mean, people are fretting about their defense. But, hey, Houston's a good offense. De'Ara King's a really good quarterback. Really talented. Uh, a couple people had him on Heisman watch list. That's a stretch, but he's really talented. And am I worried about it? Yes. Am I worried about it maybe as much as everybody else? Probably not because I have a higher view of Houston's offense, I think, than a lot of people because that's a really talented bunch and they finally got to them. But there's definitely some issues there for sure. Well, I think it's maybe a middle of the road to a potentially step below the top Big Twelve offense they're they're going to face, but it's it's not a scrub offense. No, it's no, not no, about no. it's not about Houston. I think it's just you're not going to see offenses that are worse than that when you're going to play games that are meaningful. Is all I'm saying, right? That's a comparable offense to the type of offense that you're going to see when the lights are brightest and when the, when it matters most, if not better than that offense. So that's the concern for me. Just you're playing against a respectable team offensively and. Yet again, it's 31 points given up and 21 in the second half. And part of it is the encouraging start. So maybe I should have pumped the brakes a little bit on their defense in the first half. But overall, a good opening to the season for Oklahoma. And look, defensive questions aside, Jalen Hurts was sensational. And that's, I think, what Oklahoma has to hang their hat on. Yeah, and let's look at Oklahoma's schedule last year in the Big 12. Started with Baylor, win 66-33, lost to Texas 48-45. Then they won the rest of these games. TCU 52-27, Kansas State 51-14, Texas Tech 51-46, Oklahoma State 48-47. That was a great game. Kansas 55-40. They gave up 40 points to Kansas. Wow. Yes, they did. Uh, (laughs) I forgot about that. West Virginia on the Friday night after Thanksgiving 59-56 and the Big 12 title game against Texas 39-27. Other than the Kansas State game, name me one good defensive game in there. There isn't one. It can't be found. It's just that their offense can outscore everybody so much. But when you get to bigger games, you know, like a conference title game or a playoff, it's going to come And then what game ended their season? (laughs) Alabama, where they gave up 28 points in the first quarter. Right. And they were out of that game before it started, basically. That's like you said. I mean, the Big 12, it doesn't really matter if they play that way on defense. But like you said, if they get to the playoffs 
and they play a Clemson or Ohio State or or Bama, they're, they're just going to get blown out because they give up too many points. They can't stop the run. They can't they they can't stop the pass either. So they I mean it's like you're expl- you're um, going over the last year's schedule. I'm thinking you're talking about the men's basketball team. The <laughs> points, the amount of points they give up, put up, it's amazing. It, it really is. It really. I, is. I would I mean, also just like to interject and remind you guys that who who was the quarterback last year for Oklahoma? It was uh, Kyler Murray uh, and Jalen Hurts. Really good, but that's yeah. that's not Kyler Murray. So just no. pump the brakes there too. No, all right. Well. Matt, I know you're new to this show, so um, we had a, a running gag towards the end of last year when Mac Brown was hired as the head coach oh, of boy. North Carolina. Nick, Nick knows what's coming. <laughs> um, but in light of what has happened this past weekend with their win over South Carolina, a very exciting and special announcement. You guys ready? I'm ready. ready. All right. Oh. Can we just leave this on? You can't, you can't <laughs> see Jimmy right now, but he's dancing like Mac Brown was at the end of the no, game. No, I'm not embarrassing myself like that. <laughs> In the locker room this weekend. Hey, that's a good win for you, I'd say. Yes, yeah, it is. Win. Despite the the, the dancing at the end didn't. Wow. You know, that's look, you you big win like that, you can dance all you want, Mac Brown. Good for you. <laughs> yeah, but. Uh, Matt Costantini, who did this show for the last two years and is kind of the patron saint of College Gridiron, tweeted at me on Saturday night. He said, Alexa, play Return of the Mac. And <laughs> when you see that, then you just don't have a choice. And no. I needed an excuse to play Return of the Mac, so there you go. So UNC, big win. I don't know how you know, back they are. We're not going to do the Texas thing like last year where we say, oh, are they back? But still a good win. Still yeah. a good win over... A South Carolina team that, uh, in a big game, again, just didn't show up. And Will Muschamp, uh, I think a lot more questions than answers for him at this point. I mean, we were talking before the show, is that guy a head coach? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, you you brought out that point, Nick, where he was like, well, is he good enough to be a head coach? And his big game performance, at least recently, would suggest no. I, I don't think so. And I think, again, it's it's a classic case of a guy who just, for whatever reason, whether it be management of offensive coordinators or I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, Will Muschamp needs to do a better job of coaching offense because that's not the reality. We know he doesn't do that. But it's just been an offensive struggle for the teams that he's had. And defensively, he's got a great track record, right? Even back to when he was coaching at Florida, it was a team that was just really, really good on the defensive side of the ball, but a team that was just almost incompetent offensively. And a 20-point effort again against North Carolina and Mac Brown and a guy who hasn't coached in five years, a freshman quarterback, you just would have really hoped that South Carolina could have put forth a better effort because they've got a gauntlet of a schedule. And, yeah. and you're talking about six wins is a stretch for him and is the clock winding down on Will Muschamp at South Carolina because – it's just it's not a favorable schedule and it's going to be a tough road and if you think if you thought there was going to be anything that was going to come of this season that would have had to be a win and it wasn't so we'll see if they can piece together the rest of the season and see how it goes but I think that you really have to wonder is this the last chance that Will Muschamp will get as a head coach yeah just quickly on that schedule for South Carolina they're home for Alabama on the 14th they're at Georgia on October 12th. They're home for Florida the next week. 
and then they are at Texas A&M on November 16th. That's four losses, by the way. And <laughs> you want five losses? Sure. Home for Clemson on November 30th. Done. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, UNC was six, so there you go. Yeah, I just think he's not, like you said, he hasn't found a way to to figure out a good offensive scheme with any program he's been at. Like you said, Florida, South Carolina. He needs to take a page out of LSU's book. They hired, uh, what was it, Joe Brady? Yeah. You see their offense this weekend? It was pretty yeah. good. Yeah, Joe Burrow looked great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was impressed. Tough guy. And you Tough don't ever think of LSU. Guy. You don't think of LSU offensively. You only think of them defensively. Yeah, so, I mean, that's kind of – and, and Muschamp's had some good teams. Like, that Florida yeah. team in 2012, good team. They were the number three-ranked team in the nation, and then they just laid an egg. And Joe Brady, like you said, with LSU, did a tremendous job. They've got a big game this weekend against Texas. There's one more game from last weekend I want to get into uh, before we're done here, and that is the Monday night game between Notre Dame and Louisville. Now, we have differing opinions on this. Um, I think my main takeaway from that game was – the vast improvement of the Louisville Cardinals. Uh, that team was terrible last year. Bobby Petrino, one of the worst coaching jobs I've ever seen. And they played physical. They played tough. They're not there right now, but they gave Notre Dame a game because they did a lot of little things well in that game. Just probably don't have the talent right now to complete uh, compete rather against a, a top-flight program like that. But... Nick, I wanted to get your thoughts on this first because we were we were talking before the show, and you said, "Well, maybe Notre Dame took a step back." And I don't know if that's my takeaway, but but I want I want to get your thoughts on that. Well, I think it was a bit concerning, especially well on two fronts. I don't want to say both offensively and defensively it was concerning, but the offense, especially to begin the game, was was stagnant. A couple of late scores, but they did not do a lot to begin that game. So the offense and Ian Book especially at halftime, wasn't wasn't fantastic. They weren't lighting it up. And that's not necessarily what we expected, right, because this was a team that made the college football playoff a year ago on the strength of that good defense. But that defense was not the defense that we saw last year. And they've got some inexperience at linebacker, and, and they've had some significant losses right on that defense. But that, that inexperience at the linebacker position in particular really showed itself, right? A couple of misdirection runs that, that Notre Dame did not handle very well. So it was just concerning because you know that Notre Dame's offense isn't going to light the world on fire, right? They are a they're going to be solid. Ian Book is going to be solid. He's not going to turn the ball over. He's going to put you in positions to, if you play great defense, win the game. He's not going to lose the game for you. But I, I wouldn't be extremely comfortable asking him to go out and, and make enough plays to win me a game if my defense isn't stout and isn't really good the way it was for Notre Dame last year. And I just didn't see that type of defense against a team that is much improved. A lot of credit goes to Louisville, a 2-10 a season a year ago, and it, it, they looked like a completely different team, and, and that to me is more of an indictment on Bobby Petrino in terms of just guys quitting on him because this performance was was outstanding for the Louisville Cardinals this year to open the season but I just think it's concerning regardless of how good you think Louisville is or how improved they are reality is they went 2 and 10 last year so you've got a team that went 2 and 10 and Notre Dame really did not beat them convincingly and did not look great doing it so we'll see Slow start, week one, and it's tough. A lot of times you're going to see the rust from these teams, but I just 
was not inspired by Notre Dame, and we'll see how the rest of the season goes. I just was not thrilled with their opening weekend performance. Yeah, I agree. I thought I expected Notre Dame to come out and just beat the brakes off of Louisville, considering how bad Louisville was. And yeah, Jimmy, like you said, maybe Louisville just you know they're turning a the corner. You know they they're you know becoming a better team. You know rebuilding the program, and we just took them for granted. But I think we all expected Notre Dame, a top ten team, Ian Book, coming off a great year last year. We just I expected more. I don't think they can. They got it. If that was the rust, I hope that, you know, they got rid of it because they have a brutal schedule this year. Yes. You have Georgia, I believe, in like two, three weeks. That's a tough game. You have. Uh, They're at Michigan as well. At Michigan also. And then uh, you got Stanford. And, you know, I just think they can't they can't continue to perform like that. I mean, they rushed the ball well. Um, Tony Jones, he rushed the ball 15 times, 110 yards. That was pretty good. But offensively, I just I wasn't impressed. Especially, they just looked like it took them a while to. They sleepwalked. Yeah, exactly. I think they just took. They just looked very rusty. They struggled to move the ball up and down the field. They had. It was just a sloppy game, I would say. And I just think for a team to be in the top ten, and you know, Notre Dame always has high expectations. That they, I expected more from them, and I was a little disappointed. Yeah, I mean, I think they take a step back from last year. I mean, you lose what they lost last year. Of course, I mean, they're not going to be as good. I, I thought of Notre Dame going into this year as a nine-win team. Last year, they were obviously a 12-win team. Um, and I, I think Saturday was really—not uh, Saturday, it was on Monday. I think that game was really kind of confirmation of that because, you know, Louis, Louisville did things well against them. And, you know, it, I went back and watched some of the tape in the first quarter where on run plays or pass plays, you know, the linebackers, the secondary, all took really bad angles, which is indicative of a team being really young. And, you know, Notre Dame in some areas, because of their losses from last year, are kind of young. And they're going to go through these growing pains. I think they'll be a better team at the end of the season than they are right now. But, yeah, they got some issues. I mean, I don't see them. They've got a bye this week. They're home for New Mexico next week. That's a win. And then they've got – they're at Georgia between the hedges, primetime game on uh, 21st night of September, uh, my favorite holiday. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry, but – I they got to get it together before that game because they're going to get hammered. If they if they play like that against Georgia, it's going to be 56 to 7, get out of here like you're a joke. Um but I think they're going to be playing better by that point. I just think I think they like everybody else took Louisville for granted. And you look at a team that's 2 and 10 and the expectation for Louisville is hey, don't stink. And hey, they didn't stink. They they were competitive for 3 quarters. So Hey, good for them. Good for Scott Satterfield, who comes over from Appalachian State. And maybe that team is better this year. I mean, they, they probably are. It wouldn't take much. But, you know, are they a bowl team? I don't know. But, you know, they've got a lot of work to do, and it's not going to be a quick rebuild. But I'm happy to see that they're at least competitive against some of these better teams. So before we wrap this up, we've got two big games to attend to this weekend. I want to get your guys' thoughts on this quickly. We'll talk a little bit about each one. Uh, we will start in the afternoon. We've got a rematch of a really good game from last year, Texas A&M at Clemson. Last year's game at Texas A&M, uh, Clemson won that game by two, and now they go into Death Valley. Texas A&M is the 12th-ranked team in the country, and Clemson is obviously number one. We'll go around the table. Who are we picking and why? Nick, I will start with you on this one, and I think I know who you're going to pick. Well, the short answer is Clemson, and it's because of Trevor Lawrence. If you'd like me to elaborate, I can. Uh, they're still really good, and and that's reality. And to pick 
either of these teams, either of these teams, I'll say uh, that is Clemson and, and Alabama to pick them to lose this year. I just don't think makes any sense. So I'm going to stick with Clemson. If they lose, they may, who knows, but I don't think picking them to lose is a wise idea. I do think that this is going to be one of the more challenging games that Clemson will play this year because Texas A&M is no joke. And Jimbo Fisher is going to have his guys ready to go. And if you don't think that he knows how to attack a stout Clemson defense, he does. Uh, He did it last year. He did it last year, and he's one of the best game planners. And he's going to have a great plan in place. But I just don't think, at the end of the day, there's enough that Jimbo Fisher can do if he can win an X's and O's matchup that can overcome the strength of Clemson's team and of Clemson's defense and the offense, just the the strength of, of Clemson's team overall. You look at Trevor Lawrence, you look at Travis Etienne, those are two guys that you just don't stop. And if you can't stop them, I don't know how you win, and I don't think that Texas A&M can stop them. I think they can contain them, and I think it can be a close game. But to stop them completely, I just don't think they will be able to do enough. You have to pick Clemson. Yeah, I got to go with Clemson also. I just don't see – it's going to be a tough game, but I think Travis Etienne – and the running game, that's just going to – I was very impressed the way they um, uh, they came out against Georgia Tech. And Trevor Lawrence, I think, he, you know, he didn't have such a great – he didn't have the best game. I think he's going to bounce back. I think it'll be a struggle at first, but I think Clemson will win by – I think they'll pull away in the end by, like, I'll say two scores. Okay, so if you guys were to guess, what do you guys think the, the spread is on this game? I'll block it from you, Matt, because I think you can see. <laughs> if you were to guess a spread if you haven't seen it. Seven. You want it? Uh, seven. Yeah, seven plus ten point five. It's seventeen and a half. Clemson really? is a favorite. Yeah. Wow. I was gonna say. 14. I'm gonna take. I, I'm. I'm with you, Matt. I'm going two scores for Clemson. I, I'm gonna take A and M to cover because they're competitive and, and Jimbo Fisher teams really do not not show up in games like this. Like there are certain coaches where their teams maybe lay an egg in a game like this. Jimbo Fisher's not one of them. Um, but I do think Clemson's just better. And this, I, yeah. this I think, is the toughest game on Clemson's schedule. Really? No. I do, because you've got Syracuse, Charlotte, North Carolina, Florida State, Louisville, Boston College, Wofford, NC State, Wake Forest, and South Carolina. This is the toughest game yeah, by I don't far, think, in my opinion. I don't think Syracuse is great. On t- they're on ranked, but I don't think Clemson's schedule. Yeah. So if, if they're going to lose, I think this is the week. We'll see. Yeah, and then we got one more game to get into before we wrap up. LSU and Texas, top 10 matchup that will be at Darrell Royal Stadium. Uh, Matt, I guess I'll start with you on this one. Uh, This is a big game for both sides. Um, Possible playoff implications, depending on how their seasons go. How do you see this one shaking out? Well, this is a tough one. This is going to be a good game, but I think LSU is just going to be too much for Texas. Uh, You know, there's there's still a lot of question marks with Sam Ellinger and, you know, his, uh, to me, his passing game. So I think that LSU, uh, they're going to get their senior linebacker back, Michael Divinity, and they, and I think, you know, the defense will be stout as ever, how like they always are. So I think LSU will win. I'll say by, I'll say a touchdown. See, this is a tougher game for me to pick because I think it will be closer. It, it it'll be interesting to me to see how LSU responds to playing in a big game because they have not had a great track record in big games outside of beating Georgia last year. And to me, that was more of a fluke than anything else, just because it was so odd to see Georgia lose the way they did last year. 
I think at the end of the day, you do have to go with LSU just because they're at home, and and that's the that's the biggest thing. But uh, oh, they're not at home. No, they're they're at Texas. Yeah, okay. I, I checked that. I was like, wait, what? I'm reading that right, right? <laughs> no, I I messed that up. I still think LSU on the road, yeah. but I think it's it, it'll be closer. Um, Wow, that was that was bad. <laughs> That's all right. You're reading it like soccer, basically. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm going LSU two scores. Um, I think Texas is a little overrated. That LSU team is strong, man. That team is really good. And, yes, poor track record in big games, but Eddie O will have his guys ready to play. I just, in, in the time that Eddie O has been there, yeah. I just don't th- – they, they've never been to the point where it's like, wow, they're really in the thick of the, the – college football playoff contention. Yeah, this is right? the best team he's there's, had. I, there's always, uh, oh, that's one crushing loss, or they're just out on the outside looking in. They'll do something later after a big loss at the beginning, and, and they'll get there. But I just I think they're going to win, but I, I guess I just wouldn't be shocked if they lost because of the track record. We'll see how it goes. And that new offensive system, you know, the spread offense that LSU is using, like I said, under new coordinator Joe Brady, it has Joe Burrow looking very impressive, and I think that I don't. I just don't think that Texas will be able to keep up with them. So I think it'll be an exciting game. It's, I'm I'm glad it's on prime time, but I think you know a touchdown. Now Jimmy's got me thinking. Uh, it could be more, but <laughs> I'm not going blowout, blowout. Yeah. But yeah, I think LSU's better. Yeah, I just do, and I think that's that's the ultimate track record. But guys, great show, Matt. Welcome to the show, by the way. I never oh, gave you like an welcome. official. Thank you. Thank you, thing, guys. But, uh, <laughs> can I get the Mac Brown song? <laughs> I don't know. Can you? <laughs> if you're going to Texas LSU, it's in Texas, not in Louisiana. Just if you have well, tickets, they're not that, remember. Well, they're not that far. So remember. if you right. screw up, you can make okay. up for it. It's only like seven hours. All right, guys, great show. We'll see you back here next week, same time.